Welcome podcasters. You are listening to another episode of Tell Me Why, a resource for athletes, coaches, and parents in sport. Co-hosted by Dr. Ginny Christerna and U.S. Speed Skating Hall of Fame inductee Patrick Wentland. This podcast is developed as a resource for athletes, parents, coaches, and referees looking to improve player development and performance. Conversations and opinions expressed on the show are not intended as medical or clinical advice. Welcome back, podcasters, to another episode of Tell Me Why with Dr. Ginny Christerna and myself. Today, we are going to be discussing our environment and the people around you. And this really has to do a lot with when you're training, who your training partners are, if you're on an individual sport and you, oh, you're still going to need training partners. If you're on a team sport, how well those teammates are training. And, and also, I think another great avenue on this, Ginny, is if you are training with guys, your guys or girls you are competing against, like in an individual sport, how do you handle making yourself better while you're making them better or vice versa that as you're chasing them, do they give a hundred percent? Do you give a hundred percent to keep having them get better? It's it's I've had this issue in sports I've dealt with before and it's, it's a complicated question, but sure. uh, I really love to dive in this one because it really uh, is a, is a big question for a lot of athletes and, and how to find good training partners and how to, how to really handle that situation. Yeah. You have anything for us? I do. Here's the thing. When, when we're talking about our environment, we're and, and, and training partners and things like that, which is a big part of our environment, it's important for people to realize that what you're talking about is trusting yourself and making choices that are good for you, being who you are and being able to adapt. Because you're not going to always be around positive folks. But it's completely on us to be able to use our judgment and our discernment to be able to assess, okay, am I in what kind of situation am I in and how do I adapt to that? Is this a situation that I have to be in for now because we're training and there's nothing I can do about it for now? Or is this a social situation where I need to opt myself out? And so it's the ability to be a a really good detective. And what are you detecting in the environment? What kind of situation are you in first and foremost? And then what's the best way for me to move in this space? Do I need to remove myself? Because even if it's the training, if, if some stuff is going down and it's really bad, you might need to remove yourself. But if it's social, I, I, I need to, to leave. And so the environment, I think is the, the first step in that is to, is to determine what kind of environment you're in and what uh, your options are based on that. I'm glad you used the word environment because I purposely picked that word. My feeling is everything, every environment we're in as we grow from childhood onto adulthood helps make who you are based on your environment. And that environment is people around you, things you do, things you experience. And that's, that is to me, all your environment and your environment really controls who you're going to be in this sport. Mm-hmm. If you are hanging around or training with people that like to go out partying after workout, 
Maybe they're not 100% during a workout. They're, they're slackers, have a negative attitude, always ripping on somebody or a coach or the sport or equipment or whatever it is versus training with a group or people that are positive go-getters, want to do better, want to be the best. I can guarantee you 100% your training results are going to be very different from group A to group B. Absolutely. And I want to just mark that with, I'm sure there's some research. I don't have it at the tip of my tongue right now. But what I do know from research that's pretty generalizable to the population is that complaining and negativity is contagious and it lowers your ability to to grow. It stunts your growth because now you're starting to look at problems instead of solutions. Now you're starting to be a victim instead of your own hero or shero. And so those things are pretty standard. So when people are around folks who are complaining a lot, say they're on the team, whether it's an individual or open sport, and they're around somebody who's complaining and say about the equipment, oh, the, you know, the blades on these skates, they suck, or our kicking bags are horrible, or our baseball bats and gloves are, you know, crappy and they're, they're shooting out, or, or my cleats are, they, they don't have the kind of traction that I, that they had before, whatever the case may be, what that, what another athlete can do who is trying to stay in a growth space can say, you know what, that might be true, but what can you do with what we have? It becomes on it, the responsibility is now placed on that athlete who's in, invested in growing and saying, you know what, that may be true. And what can we do with that? I always tell people the most powerful two words when you're trying to grow from a negative place or if you find yourself in a negative situation is never yes, but, right? But negates everything that comes before it. It is yes and. Yes, I hear what you're saying. And we're moving on. And yes, and we can still play. It's going to be a harder game but we can still play in it. We'll make the best that we can out of it. Let's see what how creative we can be, whatever the case may be. But whenever you're in these environments that are negative and say you there's no way out because you're training or practicing that that's your team for this season, what are you going to do? Well, the yes and is a great uh, paradigm shifter. Yeah, I was going to say a way to shift it around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what you can do with it's a team sport. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And I've seen too many times where individual sports or team sports, you or you still have somebody or a group of people you are training with, and it takes one negative person to bring down a group or part yeah. of that group to lessen the intensity of the workout, to get less out of that workout. And we've talked about if you're, if you're at every, say every workout, your goal is to do a hundred percent plus in, in effort. And if you have that negative person or people in there, say you're getting 95, 75, 65%, depending on how bad that group is, one person, multiple people, you're not getting that back. We've talked about this oh, in yeah. earlier podcasts. So one practice with these ne- a negative issue, a problem, and not knowing how to rise above that and move it on to twisting it around, like you're saying, to something better. Yeah, we got bad equipment or the refs are bad or the coaches are lousy today. 
we have a way to turn that around. Yeah, but you know, we're, we, we work hard. We push this. We can make it through this. This is going to make us even stronger because we're going we're gonna to work through this issue. That's, that's the way to, to handle that situation. But so many people get stuck in those groups or you have a class clown in a group that just wants to make jokes all the time and distracting the coaches, distracting the team, causing more rest between intervals, whatever it is, you're not getting the same performance out of your workout. Everybody loves the, the a funny guy at the workouts and hopefully lightens up the mood. But when he starts distracting from what you're doing, either your focus or your intensity level, your, your practice just went down and your competitions are still, competitors are still moving up. Yeah. I think one of the things that you, you said that really struck me was as you were talking about, yeah, you, your, your performance goes down. Everybody else is going up, but you're a team, just one person. And that's what struck me. It's just like the power of one. And people think, oh, it's just one. It's like, oh, that's all you need. One is more than enough. One is too many. Now that doesn't mean you have to be toxically positive. That's the power of yes and. You can right. make an, an assessment that, hey, we don't have very good equipment. You're right. And we can still play. We're going to learn how to play differently. It's going to be a different experience. This is what we have to work with. Let's make it count. And so one of the things about referees, you know, when people say, oh, the ref was bad. Mm -mm -mm. I, I always say, are they consistently bad in that game? Right. You have 15 minutes seven to 10, but you know, I, I say, give yourself about 15 minutes in the game and you can tell what kind of game those refs are going to call as an athlete. If you're in the growth space and if you have that adaptability and if you're agile, not just physically, but mentally, oh, you'll adapt to that ref. Yep. You will adapt to that ref because you'll figure out this is what the ref is calling. This is what the ref is not calling. Yep. If you haven't figured that out as an athlete, you're going to have a tough time because you're going to be a victim and you're going to keep making the same mistake. And because you are the player and that person is the ref, they are overseeing what gets called and what doesn't adapt to that. That is also part of the game. Yeah, that's a that's a great one because you're you're dead on. It's any top athlete will read the referees, read the, the team, the players on the other team, what they're doing. But if you can't read the referees and figure out what they're calling, this guy likes to call this. Those guys we had last week, they were focusing on this and they, they would call something else. But these guys today, they're really uh, watching the X when they're, they're covering this. But boy, that, you, you, can't, you can't be a top athlete without being able to figure that out and uh, be able to correspond with uh, a different way of play. Yeah. And every referee is different. I mean, you've seen basketball, you've seen football. They're at, they have quadrants, they have sections. You know, soccer, we have three, maybe four, if we have a fourth official and one ref has one half of the field, the other ref has the other half. And then the center is going across the whole doggone field. And yep. we can't see everything, but, and we can't call what we don't see. That's why we look to our assistants to help us. For the most part, referees are consistent. The, the more seasoned referees, they tend to be consistent. Now, they, too, referees, they will also adapt to a game. And woe is the referee that doesn't. Right? right. We hear about it. So when the temperature of a game gets high, 
the referee as a thermostat and we turn down the temperature. We'll slow the game down. Yeah. If they're playing really physical and somebody might get hurt, the referee is going to slow that game down. Instead of giving them more space to play, they're going to start calling the game tighter. The referee also, we, we read the games as well. Okay. And yeah. so that's, that's part of the environment. If you have someone who's negative and instead of figuring out a solution, they're complaining, you're not going to grow. That, that stifles the environment by which really solid athletes can, can flourish and thrive. And that responsibility falls on the coach. Right. That has very little to do with the athletes. The athletes can try that yes and, but it, it's the coach that really sets the tone for that. If the coach can't get his or her arms around it, that's going to be a problem. Even if it's an individual sport, if, if in speed skating or taekwondo or golf, the, the athlete is stuck in this mode of victim where I can't get in there, just frustrated, their own negative environment is enough to destroy them. So it doesn't right. have to be a physical environment. The environment begins in your head. It begins in your mind. It's the thoughts that you have about your performance and about yourself. So the first environment is within the individual. The second environment is within the group. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, another twist to that is we talked quite a bit just now about the negativity part of it. I want to bring us to the positive part of it. And, and I'm going to give you a little scenario that I've seen with, with athletes I've worked with. So if you have one athlete, same athlete, and you put them with group A, who is maybe this, this one athlete is the top of that group or better than he's maybe the best in that group. And they have, I'm going to take a wild shot at, they have to do 10, 400 meter tempos on a running track. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if they're, if they're the top of that group there, they have no one to push them, no one to chase. And they're, they're probably not going to get their best workout in. Right. You take that same person and put them in a group where, they are at the bottom of that group, middle to bottom of that group and another group. And they got that same workout. That one person is going to get so much more out of going with group B yep. than they are with group A that they don't even realize it. Oh, I'm doing the same workout. I got 10, 400 meter tempos. I'm going to get the same out of it, no matter how we look at it. It's not the case. You and this is that environment thing we're talking about, not just dealing with negativity in groups, which we've all seen, but if you don't have the foresight to get yourself training partners or groups that are going to make you better, you're going to be stuck where you're at or not improving as fast. That's right. And this is a big part of training where so many athletes like to find a group that they're the best at. Okay, I'm going to train with these guys every day because they make me look good and I can win every one of the intervals. I can win our workouts and I'm the best one on the team and they make me look good. Instead, finding a group that makes you work and finding a group that you can learn from and push yourself harder, and whether it's technical, physical, whatever it is, there, there's always somebody out there, there's a group out there that's going to make you work harder in one group than any other group. And if you can, and maybe it's not all the time you can get with that group, but if you can get with that group as often as possible, 
I have seen this in, in athletes I've worked with. We've had uh, different workouts where we'd have a different group of people would come and train with us or they'd be a bigger group one day, but we have a smaller group one day with three or four athletes and we're doing the same workout and they're just not motivated and the, just the same small group they work with. And they're just maybe getting, I'm saying 50 to 75% out of that workout. But then as on the same workout, another day, a larger group shows up and some really strong athletes and they're there to to really push. And all of a sudden, those three that were there the other day are performing twice as hard as they did at that workout this time, and they're getting so much out of it. And again, that's another reason I love to have new athletes come into a practice, another team, another coach. It livens things up. It gives your athletes a better chance to see what else is out there. It gives them a chance to learn and grow, push themselves a little harder. And again, this is that environment where we talked about Put yourselves in different environments, give yourself different chances, different people to train with, push yourself harder. You may find that that environment's no good with the other team because there's a bunch of negative people on there or they don't work that hard or you're better than the rest of them. You got to look elsewhere. But I just think that as a coach, as an athlete, man, that that is going to really profoundly tell you where you're going to go if you can find that better group or keep looking for a group and different groups to train with athletes and coaches, you're going to go a lot further, a lot faster than you can or will training where you're the best one in the group. Absolutely. We call those house athletes, right? In Taekwondo, I call them house fighters. Like at that Nojang, they're fantastic. You put them in a tournament, you know, they don't look so great because they don't get tested as I call it. That's just my, way I I refer to it. And what some people I know who are listening to this podcast are thinking, they're like, I just want to train up. I want to be the one training up and I'm going to, and train with the higher level folks so I can learn and grow and see, and this is where discernment and balance is so important because that's true. Because when you go and say compete or fight or whatever, at your level, you're, you are going to be a lot further along. However, that isn't the only thing that you, you, you should be doing. You should also still train with people at your level, right? At, at, if you're yep. a soccer, if you're U14, you should still have scrimmages with other U14 folks, right? You might play up to U15 or U16 on one of their teams, or say if you're in Taekwondo, you might fight up. Okay. Or if you're heavier, you, you might drop weight so you can fight down and maybe fight somebody who's faster or something like that. Or you might have one of your athletes race against one of the national team folks. You might bring them in and, you know, just challenge them. And that's great. But the reason that you have to balance that and come back home, come back to where you are is because you have to practice that. You have to practice that and make it your own, one. And then two, mentally, the mind can only take getting its butt kicked so many times. Like we have to get a win yeah. in somewhere. Yeah. If we don't, we just feel like we're horrible. And then when we finally get a win in, we're like, we just want to stay here because we got our butt kicked so much over there. We just want to stay here. And now you're playing down. Yeah. And so there's a fine line. And and one of the things that one of my instructors said to, to us in a, in a class when I was in school, 
if you want to, if you want to learn, the best way to learn is to teach. Yep. And the other option that athletes have, if they have a difficult time training down in, in some athletes mind, that's how they call it. That's what they call it. But what I encourage coaches to do is, is have them train with or, or, or scrimmage against a team that isn't very good. And I'm going to explain why. Because the, the, the purpose of each training, of each scrimmage, of each practice or whatever should be very clear. Where you're not, they're, they're much better than you. They're going to hold back, but they're going to give you a run for your money. You are not to give up. The goal yeah. isn't to go and win. The goal is to go and learn. Learn what you yeah. don't know. Learn what, learn some new stuff, right? And to be humble. And then the goal over on this other training is we're going to come back and we're going to practice. We're going to apply the stuff that we learned, but we're going to apply one thing, maybe two things. And these are the one or two things that we're going to work on at this particular scrimmage or practice with this other group. And then you, you train with someone who, you know, they're not going to beat you. So you are going to be to them what that playing up team was to you. You're going to hold back, but this time you're going to explain to them. You're going to teach them. Why? Not because they're going to compete with you in the next competition, maybe, I don't know, but you're explaining it to them so you are clear for yourself. This is what I'm doing. This is how this is done. You teach so you're able to learn because that is how we learn, by teaching, by explaining. When we hear ourselves say things, we tweak them. So so there's three types of trainings that I encourage people to do, whether they're individual or, uh, or team sport. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I really like that. When I started coaching, I was still competing and I started learning so much more, having to figure it out on my mm-hmm. own and be able to explain it to others. Like I, I kind of just always did what the coaches told me, just do it this way. Okay. Well, that's what I did. But when I had to learn to start explaining it to other people, I'm like, all right, how do I explain this? How do I explain it so they understand? And it made me dissect the the techniques, the, the skills, the strategies, so I could explain it and actually learn some things myself. They're like, oh, I didn't understand this before. I just did it and, or tried to do it. But this helps me understand it and do it a little bit better. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And I think it has a lot to do with being able to find that upper group and train with them on some hard days. And then for me, what I was like for myself and other athletes is go back to your level or lower for technical days and days like, okay, I I have some things I learned from training with that other group. I want to come back and work on some techniques and fine tune stuff. This is perfect for me to train with people that are a little slower, a little less than me, and I can fine tune the things I'm working on before I go back to pushing it with higher level athletes again. Absolutely. And I I want people to hear you and, and I want them to go back and replay the part where you said technical, because that is so important because once you master the technical, it'll look very natural. The technical looks robotic in the beginning, but the more that you do it and the more uh, your body is used to that, it just looks very natural and, it, and it's not something you have to think about. Yep. And so the other piece I was going to add is that when you go and you teach, 
and you become now to that team, the team that you trained up with, that teaches you how to be a leader. That, that teaches you how to be graceful. It, it, can, it can also entice you to be a bully and maybe cocky or, or whatever the case may be, but it, that would be a choice. And to see those people who are younger than you who might not know that, who are just like, oh, that's a great idea, to see their eyes light up gives young athletes an opportunity to go, wow, I made a difference. I matter. Uh, look at look at the happiness that came from me sharing something with somebody. It reminds me of the experiment that that I forget where I, I read this, but the teacher was like they, they had all of the teachers have the students put their name, their full name in the balloon and blow it up and throw it in the hallway. And the teacher went out and mixed all the balloons up. And it was like six classrooms. And so they were tasked with trying to uh, find the balloon with their name on it. Like they wrote their name. On, I'm not, not in the paper, but they wrote their name on the balloon, their full yeah. name. And so it took them forever. And so they stopped and the teacher said, pick a balloon and go find the person that it belongs to and give it to him or her. Five minutes. Oh, I get it. And so when we give something to someone, that's that's like finding ourselves, somebody finding me and giving me something to us going, Hey, I have, I, w I would like to share this with you. And the other person smiling, going, thank you. And this is yours too. This gratitude. And that's why I love sports. And it's just one of the most powerful things we can put our kids in, but the environment is, is, is going to be the soup base that we cook the, the, the character of our, of our athletes, of our children. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that is a great point, which is going to segue me into another avenue on this. And I'm going to go a little history on a situation I dealt with at one time, right before, I think it was the 98 Olympics. We had a team of athletes, like 12 athletes we had training together in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center, trying to get ready for the 98 Olympics. Out of those 12 athletes, we we're going to pick a team of six. So six of them were going home with their tail between their legs, and six of them were going to the Olympics. We really tried to build a team atmosphere where everybody was pushing each other, working hard. The harder everybody pushes, the harder, the, the more everybody does, the better they get. Most of the sport that I was coaching with short track speed skating is an individual sport where you are racing individually against other countries. Our best metal potential sport, and I think we've actually discussed this story before, our best metal potential sport is a relay race where you have four to five guys on a relay, four plus an alternate, and you really have to get your team going, your exchange has got to be good, your communication, your your comfort level with everybody, you got to know them, you got to understand how they race, you got to understand how your exchanges go. And we're talking split second stuff to win an Olympic medal. But overall, it's the best, the team's best chance at a medal. We were struggling at trying to get this team to work together because they knew in a matter of months, they had to compete against each other to try and make that Olympic team. We ended up getting a 
sports psychologists through the Olympic Training Center to come and meet with our athletes to try and build some kind of team atmosphere to get them to work harder. Because we as coaches knew that if we couldn't get them to keep working harder and push each other, our chances for everything were going right down the drain. And mm-hmm. it was it was really going in that direction. There was a lot of negative attitude. It was all me, 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 not like let's work as a team. It was tough. We were in a really tough spot. So we get together in a room with a sports psychologist from the Olympic Training Center. The psychologist asks our team, so how are we doing here, guys? We're, we're getting ready for the Olympics. We, we got our we got our individual races, we got our team races, and I, I sense a lot of hostility between everybody. What, what, what's our problem? Why can't we get to work together to build everybody up and, and to work harder? Well, one of our guys stood up and said, the rest of these people in, my, in this room here, they are my enemies. They are the ones I have to beat to make that Olympic team. I am not going to do anything to, help to, make the, to make them better. So as a coach, this is the first time we're actually hearing it out of their voice. And I mean, they had no problem voicing this and we're like scratching our heads going, oh my gosh, this is, this is worse than we thought. Like, how do we start doing this? So we, long story short, is we, we started working with the sports psychologist a little bit more to try and build some team building activities. But really the, the issue was to try and show them without working together, without pushing each other in their environment again, they were going to get worse and their chances at getting a medal, even their chances at making the team were going down. If they could actually get over their own selfishness about it and start working hard and push each other, motivate each other, the whole group is going to get better and their chance at getting a medal and making the team was actually going to go up. Yeah, and it's it's a tough point to get across to athletes who are in an in an individual sport fighting for their own position on a team, having to work with everybody, and it it really it our, our team did suffer that year. We were able to make it back a little bit through that and and work with everybody and get better, but there was just still that that attitude. And I have worked with teams before that just have a great team cohesion and they all just understand working hard together and they, they can see it in the workouts where they're constantly pushing each other so and so stronger in the weight room so and so stronger on the running track so and so stronger on the ice so and so is better at technique and they all try and follow that guy and and work for their strengths and try and get themselves better here man everybody's abilities just rise so much faster and i guess just a story from history to try and help you avoid or help our listeners avoid situations like that, where if they find themselves in those situations, they need to find a way to get out of it and improve that, that yeah. team atmosphere. And here's the thing. And, and that's, that's even true with team sports because everybody wants to be the starter, you know, who wants, yeah. who doesn't want to be a captain, especially if you're in high school, if you will. And so I think that the part that, sticks out for me is when you said they, the one person had the courage and that's what I'm going to call it. The courage to speak the truth, which is these people are, are, we're from the same country, but this is my competition. This is my enemy. I want that spot. And this is where I, I, I think it's important for athletes 
and parents and coaches to understand something very, very important. Even if you don't share the the same values or whatever, and even if you don't share with them what you know, you're not going to get much further past it because it goes to the last piece that I was saying. The best way to learn is to teach. The sum of all parts is greater than the individual. And so it's about setting the mindset. And again, the, 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 the health of the coach, just the emotional intelligence health of the coach is so important because it's impossible for you to not learn, but you have to be open to going, I don't know everything. And even though I might dislike you for whatever reason, you can teach me something, but even if you don't want to teach me, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you something. And and what people don't realize is in doing that, the other person inadvertently, even when he or she does not want, and they're, you know, kicking and screaming not to teach you anything, they're teaching you something. So the only way for them to not learn and to not teach you something is for them to leave. Now, what they teach you, we don't know. What you decide or what you choose to learn from them, we don't know. But even when people are withholding, they're teaching you something. And it's up to each athlete to determine what that is, to figure out what that is. No different than when they're on that pitch or when they're in competition and 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 they have to learn the, what calls a referee is making. It's about being adaptable. That does not mean if someone is withholding, you withhold back. No, you give. Because you're forcing them. In, in, in quantum physics, the rule is if one thing changes, if one thing changes, it doesn't matter how big or small that thing is. If one thing changes, everything in that dynamic system changes. So if you push somebody, they have to do something with that. That is a change. That is a change. It is your job to identify what that is and to take it and learn from it. And you probably won't identify it till after. But you keep giving, even though they're not intentionally giving back to you. Because they're giving to you, just not in the way they want to, just not in the way you want to, but you're getting something. And I promise you, it'll be more than anything you could have ever imagined. It's going to be of greater value to you in in ways you cannot imagine, and they won't even realize they're giving it to you. This is why I tell people, and not to be a Star Trek person, but resistance is futile. As long as one person gives, everybody is affected, and they're going to give you something back. That's how it works in quantum physics. It doesn't not work that way. Now, imagine if two people challenge each other, and then three people, and then four people, and then five people, and then all six people what you're going to end up with is the person who is giving freely. That's the person you're going to see the most growth with. I promise you. Yep. Even if I've nobody else is trying to give it back. They yeah, will and I've grow seen the that. most. Mm-hmm. I've seen it in sports. It happens all the time. And, you know, the, you have the individuals who are not giving, they're holding whatever they got back. I don't want to share. They just, they don't grow. They don't get any better. And, yeah, they, I think a big point you just made was you, you get one person, you get two people, you get three people. The more people in that group, in that training group, on that team that start developing, 
goes back to that group A and B that I was talking about. If you get more and more really pushing it hard at practice every day or in a game, that whole group just starts to rise and get better. And if you have the the group A we talked about before that just, oh, they're just getting by doing what they can do and no one's really pushing each other or doing anything, they're not getting better. And maybe they're just getting better a little bit. But I think it's just a, a, a huge thing, especially for team sports, if you really consider helping your teammates. And I, I, I'm a big believer in the old saying that team is as good as its weakest link. Yep. And it's so true. You get out there on the field, on the court, and wherever it is, and you got that weak link. The competition knows who that weak link is or links, and they're going after that person. They find that hole, and that's that hole they're yep. going to keep going to. If you can raise the ability of that weak link or links, your whole team is getting better, and your results are going to show for it. And I I could not agree with you more. I've been on more games than I can count where the opposing team identified that one person on the, the, the other team is a hothead. And boy, do they push that button. And next thing you know, person's kicked out the game and now you're playing down one person. So while that person is gone and you, you have a good team of folks, you're playing short. And now the other thing that I have seen too is when that weakest link leaves, the rest of the team can rise to the occasion. And sometimes guess who that weakest link is? Yourself. The coach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. it's left. But I've seen teams. I've, I've if you coached. can't, what's that saying? I'm just sorry, no If you can't find a weak link on the team, look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's a good one. But yeah, yeah a, a big part of it, you know, I, I've, I've reffed teams where the coach is just yelling and yelling and yelling at the kids. And I mean, and you, I don't even know what they're yelling because they're not yelling soccer stuff. They're just yelling, you know, like you're such a crappy player stuff. How did you miss that? What did I tell you to do last week? It's just like, he probably doesn't remember what he had for breakfast this morning. Like, who knows? They're like 14. Right. And when the coach got carded and kicked out the game, how many times I've seen when that has happened, that's when the team scores. Yeah. That's when there's something in the energy of the team shifts. And so while I, I, I know we're talking about athletes and, and their teammates, remember the coach is part of the team. Remember the parents are part of the team. How many there parents have go. gotten ejected from a game? And then the whole game changes. And so I, I just implore people to to really start to think about how you are a part of your team and how you either contribute to or take away from their performance. What is your weak link? Because everybody has one, including yours truly. Are you aware of that? Because if you don't know what your weak link weak link is, you're gonna you're you're gonna it's gonna be a problem. True. Yeah, I think that that's just such great information. And to me, it just brings me right back to that environment word and everything in your environment while you're training. If your goal, which is what we want to talk about in this podcast, if your goal is to become the best of the best, really push yourself beyond where you've ever been, you have to reevaluate every bit 
of your environment, your equipment, your coaches, your training team around your sports psychologist, nutritionist, whatever, whatever you're using, your training partners, whoever you're, 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 where you're training, the gym, the, or whatever surface, the field you're, you're training on, those are all part of your environment and what is going to shape you into that athlete you're trying to become. I couldn't agree more. And I think that that's a great way for us to, to end our segment because everything that's in your environment affects you. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. I think that that's a great point. And I guess you're, you're right. We're running low on time and we're going to leave it at that people. And for our listeners, I'll just close out with exactly what I just said with environment and evaluate those things. Don't get used to the negative person. Don't get used to the class clown. Don't get used to people who are bringing you down. Try and find a change to your environment that is going to make you better. And how much better depends on that team or people that you are training with. You want to find those situations that are going to bring you up constantly instead yeah. of be bringing you down. Yes. And if, if I want to add to that, look at, at, at how you might negatively affect the team environment. It doesn't mean that you're horrible or, or, or it's your fault or anything about you overall as a person. Just look at how might I be contributing to my team in a negative way? And then what can I do to shift that? It's not about this is what I did that was bad and mm, I'm horrible. No, it's about identifying areas of growth. These are your growth edges, as we call them in psychology. Identify what they are for you and then start growing them. So, I love it. Great information today, Jenny. Thank you very much. Same here, uh, Pat. Feel free to subscribe and follow us on your preferred listening channel. And uh, thanks for being here today. We look forward to talking with you again next week. All right. Sounds good. Bye, guys. Yeah.